Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church. Well, hello again. Uh, we are the Billick family. Uh, this is my, I am Mitchell. I almost forgot to introduce myself. Um, this is my amazing wife, Shauna, uh, my kind-hearted son, Christian, and my creative and caring daughter, Rachel. Oh, you didn't do the cheer, the wave. We are going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in, script, for it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the, so the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the word of the Lord. All right. How's everybody doing? Oh, yeah. All right. Waking up with me, too. Uh, first off, I just want to introduce, I didn't get a chance to, uh, John is, where John did you go? He's back, he's back there. When John comes out, uh, John, I've known John since probably fourth or fifth grade, had the opportunity to not only be a part of student ministry together, but it's just so cool to see us all grow into our faith. And John has a gift and he's not only uh, helping us out, but a part of a great church and mission church down in Lancaster. So we're super thankful for him. So if you get a chance, give him a high five and thank him for coming. All right. So if you turn your Bibles, uh, first Peter chapter two, we're going to walk into this today and I got to make a couple quick adjustments. So while I'm doing that, if you want to turn to somebody around you and if you know them or don't just give them a knuckles and say, Hey, good morning. Jer's not quite ready. All right. I could tell some of you were hesitant in saying Jared's not ready. I appreciate that about you. But also those that really knew me, you were like, oh, we know Jared's not ready. So thank you for that. Uh, the good news is uh, I got the blessing of doing a wedding yesterday in Williamsport. 
It was incredible, and it was uh, one of the things that I was even reminded by. Uh, the groom was from the Dominican, and the wife was from Williamsport, and you get to see the body of Christ growing together and then hear worship in uh, Spanish and just knowing God is glorified in all of those different circumstances and all those things, and it was just cool to see. So you can be encouraged by that today. Okay. So we're in First Peter, we're walking through this together. If you have a Bible, if you have a pen, we always encourage, use your Bible, bring your notes. Uh, it's an opportunity for us to digest God's Word together. Uh, this is us doing this together, not necessarily uh, me telling you all the things. But I am going to share a couple quick thoughts with you that hopefully encourage us and spark a little bit in us of going, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to step into today? Okay? So... Thank you for the Billicks for reading today. Great job. I always love the kiddo's voice because, like, man, just hearing that, uh, the joy and uh, the young in them. So I got three statements that we've been working through, through this whole thing. Okay, I'm going to read them to you, and we should have those up on the screen. Okay? Number one, uh, there it is. I w- uh, number one, our current struggle should show us God's active promises. Our current struggle should show us his active promises, right? And we're walking through this through scripture. Number two, suffering and persecution are a promised part of our faith in Jesus. Okay, so number one, our current struggle should show us his active promises. Number two, suffering and persecution are a promised part of our faith in Jesus. And number three, our view of God shows up clearly in all the moments of life. So what you're going through, what you're working through, we quickly can see how we're viewing God at that point, okay? And then as we walk through the sections of Scripture, verse 1 and verse 2, we reminded in chapter 1 that God knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows us from beginning to end, and He knew us before we were born. Verses 3 through 12, His grace and mercy equal our living hope. Okay, so what he's given us, grace and mercy, gives us hope for today, tomorrow, and every day going forward. And then as we talked about a couple weeks ago, he is holy, and so he is holy and we should follow him. Because of his holiness, because of what he is, who he is, and what he continues to do, we should follow. And then if you're taking notes, for this week, verses 1 to 12, his mark on us should change us. Okay, He leaves a mark on us. He requires us to make a decision. Who he is requires something of us. And so I want to kind of share a quick story that maybe helps us a little bit with that. Okay, So as we're going through chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, I was reminded of what it looks like when someone is involved in your life or something happens in your life and it marks you. Okay? And so I was young, and uh, some of you might have been in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or whatever it might be, but we had the Christian version of that, which was called uh, with the Royal Rangers. And most of you may not know this, but they are a thing. I, got, I only got one badge my entire time in there, and I'll tell you why I only got one badge. We had this leather pouch project, and the leather pouch you're supposed to like weave in and poke holes, and then there's beads to tie at the end and all this kind of stuff. And so I was home by myself at this point, uh, which is never a good decision. Home by myself, and I said, you know what? I'm going to work on this project. I got this new pocket knife. It's going to be awesome, okay? So I'm holding the leather pouch, and I'm holding it like this, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to poke this through, just poke the knife through to make the hole. I think I'm finishing it, maybe, you know, a nice bow to close it up on the outside. And I poke it through, 
and the knife just slices right across my middle finger, right across there, right? And so from that moment, I always have this mark that I can always tell a story. And the fun part is, many of us have a ridiculous wound that you go, oh yeah, you got one of those, I got this here, right? And it changes my entire life because of that ridiculous moment. Now, my mom was mad at me, my knife got taken away, I don't think I went back to Royal Rangers. It was a tough time in life, but it changed me on a variety of different levels, all right? And so I always tell people, yeah, this is where, you know, and you get to share scars and all that kind of stuff. But it's so interesting if we actually process that for a minute with the truth is Christ and who he is continues to mark us, continues to change us and call out of us and even use the scars that we have for his glory. The same is true as what we're going to talk about today. Okay, so because of who Jesus is. Our lives are not the same. It's easy to say, but it's the truth, is I can't be the same way I was if I know Jesus. If I interact with him at all, if I, if I let scripture even remotely try to speak to anything in my life, if I just simply go, ah, man, I'm going to read God's word, it's going to instantly call me something to say, Jer, you are not the answer. Because of who Jesus is, our lives are not the same, okay? He is in the process of accomplishing his will, and as he changes us to be more like him, this process should produce more in us to want to be more like him. Let me say that again. He's in the process of accomplishing his will. God is always at work accomplishing his will, always. And as he changes us to be more like him, This process should produce in us a want to be more like him. It's confusing. But I keep liking it to the people that we want to be around to be better people is a small version of what it's like when Christ works in us. And sometimes it always isn't the easiest. It always isn't the most fun. But this is where he gives us grace. God gives us grace to see what he did. He gives us grace and what he's continuing to do. But maybe you don't always get the clarity of what you think you want to see. But he gives us grace. And he gives us scripture to know where he's going to end up. Okay? So he gives us grace to see what he has done. He gives us grace to see what he's continuing to do, even though we might not get all the steps that we want, right? I want all 20 steps in front of me. I want to know. I want to get to here. I want him to tell me all the things. I want him to make sure I know the plan and that I agree with it. And then, but he says, no, I'm giving you grace for this moment. And then he gives a scripture to remind us that at the end, it's him. He's still there. Okay, so can we just pause for a minute and just think through that? We know he has worked. We know he is working. And we know how it's going to end. And yet I go all crazy with control in between the two. I get stressed, I get worried, I get worn out, I start to overthink problems, I start to go, okay, I can fix this, I just need this, blah, 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 whatever it might be. Instead of going, God, I trust you. Because it's much actually harder to say, God, I trust you, than it is for me to kind of manipulate my own answers. Right? 
Okay. He gives us his word and his spirit to call stuff out of us, to refocus us constantly, to help us constantly hop off the throne of my life and bend my knee as he graciously sits where he should have been all along and that he actually created. Let me say this again. He gives us his word and his spirit to call stuff out of us, to refocus us constantly, to help us hop off the throne, and then to remind me to bend my knee as he should be graciously sitting on the throne that he created. You see, it's easy to hear those words in my life or this section of scripture and then immediately start our checklist, right? So if you read verse one, so put away all malice, all deceit, and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander. How many of you read or heard that section of scripture and go, uh, you don't have to raise your hands, okay? Don't do it. But you go, okay, I don't do that, or I do that, or sometimes I struggle with this, or sometimes I do that, or I only do this every once in a while, or I only do this about that person, or, right? Like I instantly hear words in scripture and I instantly start thinking what I have done or haven't done, right? So I start automatically, immediately producing a checklist, okay? Or maybe you aren't checklist people, Maybe you're scale people. Does anybody know what scale people are? I'm just, okay, I I mean, there's some here, but if I just balance it over here, I can just kind of like, I'm just trying to keep it in the middle, you know? Like if I like, man, I did this some days, like I did this last Tuesday, so that makes up for this, right? So we're either checklist people, oh, I don't do this, I do this, I don't do this, or I did this last Tuesday, or I'm a scale person, I'm trying to make it even. Either way, I just made myself God instead of recognizing I need him for repentance and forgiveness. Make sense? So someone else is like me, correct? Good. All right. Okay. You see, we miss the truth and we vacate the process when we make scripture solely about us. See, when I start making a checklist, when I start balancing the scale, I immediately move from, oh my word, I need Jesus, to how can I be like Jesus the most and still be king? All right, so you're going to have to trust me for this next part, okay? Let's just pick out slander. We just went through some elections and more elections are coming. Everybody instantly gets a little nervous. Everybody starts sweating. If we ever need an example that we as humans are completely incapable of actually bettering ourselves, look no further than elections. Right? No matter where you sit, I really don't care. But no matter where we sit on any of those circumstances, we have not changed in hundreds, if not thousands of years. Right? And so, oh, be better, right? That's always the answer. But the truth of the matter is, instantly when we want something, our sin comes out. So we'll say something ridiculous, whether we know it to be true or not true, whether we care or not, we will make anything and do anything to get what I want. And whether it be on a grand scale of an election or actually how I'm parenting, whether how I'm interacting with somebody I love, it does not matter. I will instantly do any of that checklist for my own benefit. And it's not a great checklist. Make sense? So I can easily slip into malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, all 
for my own benefit and all not even go, ah, not even bat an eye. You see, and if you're like me, most things are like a tennis match, especially in the last, uh, as we've gone through election cycles and all that kind of stuff. And maybe you're like me. This is what I've done, okay? I try to stay out of it. I try to stay off of social media because it's a cesspool. Uh, but this is what happens. We've got two sides. They're playing tennis and just trying to hit bombs back and forth to each other. And most of us are then scrolling on social media like we're the people in the stands going, oh, 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 I want to like that. Oh, right. And, and it's so easy. And we participate in things and not even fully grasp where our heart is. And this is what happens to me. So I'm there scrolling. I'm there getting madder and madder and madder. And it doesn't even matter what I believe. I'm just madder and madder. And meanwhile, my kids have asked me to play with them four times. Jesus has told me to stop seven times. That's, I just picked that number randomly. And I received three texts about kingdom work that I should be doing. And instead I'm going, oh, I can't believe that. Matter and matter and matter. And so I want to be clear. I'm trying to point us to how easy sin exists in all of us and how easy I can lose my kingdom focus. This is me in front of you saying I can instantly lose my kingdom focus on who Jesus is because I get caught up in all the things. And I worry or I say they're not a checklist. I say, oh, I'm just part. I'm just I'm just I justify my actions. That's why verse two is so important to long for spiritual milk that you might grow up into your salvation and me grow up into mine. You see, I would love Jesus more if I was worried less about being called a baby and more focused about what he's telling me to do. You see, if I was less worried about, oh, I'm not a baby, I'm moving up, I'm growing up, I'm less worried about that and instead obedience to what he calls me to and the situations that are in front of me, I would grow into my salvation even more. And so that's why we process this together. This is why we do this is going, I'm not you, you're not me, we all need Jesus, how do we take a step towards him today? Because I want to be honest about what's going on in my life, so maybe that encourages you to go, okay, he's really screwed up, so let's go towards Jesus together. You know what I mean? And this is why verse 3 is so good, is because it says he tasted, we taste that he is good. Had a great dinner at the wedding yesterday, and it was just incredible. I mean, they spent a lot of money. The food, everything was good. The green beans were even good. Like, that's how good it was. It was amazing. And it was such a good thing. And, and I just remember, like you remember places where you've eaten and tasted great food. It's tied into something. It's usually a great memory. The question is, when we understand, when we taste that Jesus is good, what do you do with that circumstance? What do I do with it? If I don't write it down, I can't even remember my own name. So if I don't write down the times that he has been good... I will forget them and move on to the next circumstance, and then I'll go back to the same process. God, where are you? What have you done? Why aren't you moving? And that's what I'm trying to encourage you is he's given us grace to see what he's done in the past. Write it down. Put it on your mirror. Don't act like you're not needing that and go, God, this is what you've done. This is what you're going to continue to do. And this 
right? I'm not telling him what he's going to do. I know that he's got the plan and I'm going to follow him. That's what I'm saying. You with me? All right. So this is where it gets fun. Verse 4 to 8. We are being built into something, okay? We talked about living stones. We talked about the fact that we are a part of something. We here at 717, we are a part of the body of Christ. We do not have the answers of church. We are a part of the body of Christ, okay? We are a part of the body, okay? Which is so cool that John comes from his church and helps us in worship. Andrew comes from his church and helps us with worship. We've got friends that are helping us with sound and all that kind of stuff. And it's a part of the body. So, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, he is the living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, he is chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. If you highlight in your Bibles, you yourselves are like living stones, are being built up, right? We're growing into our faith. We're then being, we are being used where you're at when you go to work, when you go and do something, when you're out in the community, you are being used to be a part of the body of Christ and it being built. The house is being built. So verse uh, six, for it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying, a, laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Again, we have hope because of who he is. And what he's doing. So the honor is for all of you who believe, but for those who do not believe. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, that being Christ. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And this is why you hear me say all the time, no matter what, Jesus makes us make a decision. He makes us make a decision. Okay? So... This is who we're following. And I'm going to say three sentences, and I'll say them again in case you're not sure. This is who we're following. He is rejected by men, but chosen and precious to God. He calls us to do spiritual battle by giving grace, mercy, and love. He gives us grace and mercy and love, and then we are supposed to be in battle, spiritual battle, giving the same things. That is what we're supposed to be doing. When we go to work, when we deal with our kids, when we deal with people, any of those things, going, man, God has given me this. I'm going to give the same thing. And he's building a place that brings glory to God. That means the church, the body, we're building a place. Verse 7, so the honor is we are called out to be different, to be an example to those who aren't there yet. We are called out to be different, to be an example to those who aren't. Who Jesus is, the way he lived, and what he said, and what he claimed, pushes us to make a decision in all aspects of our life. First, to claim him in front of others. Second, to do that day, in and day out, and for the rest of our lives. He pushes us. First, to claim him in front of others, and second, to do that day after day after day. This means that all things you and I can't stand were being built into a testimony to that. Let me say that again. All the things you can't stand, pause and think about some of those things. All the things you can't stand, 
you are being built into being a testimony for those things. <laughs> Yuck. But it's the truth. The things we can't stand, the things that drive us crazy, you are being called to be being built into that testimony to that thing. Same thing is true of me. This changes my prayer because my natural response is, I'm going to fix it, right? I'm going to fix that problem, right? I'm getting madder. I'm getting madder. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to tell them how it is. Send. Not true. But when we view our lives as us focused, we lose sight of what he is doing and why he's doing it. As believers, doesn't it make more sense if we live under the philosophy that God's actually calling me to witness to it as opposed to fix it? He is king and came for me, and he's going to use all of my life for his glory. The same is true for you. He is king and came for us and is going to use all of your life for his glory. And I am a broken and sinful man that is in need of a savior. That changes the way we interact with people and the way we grow. And so this is why I get frustrated and hurt so much. I'm looking for perfection from the world instead of placing my faith in the perfect one. I look for things to be perfect. I like organizations to be perfect. I'm looking for perfection from here instead of placing my faith in here. And because of that, then I don't witness to here. I just complain to here. And this is why verse 9 and 10 are so different. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have received mercy, once you have had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And this is why this is so vital for us, is because you are his. I can easily, though, treat it like a status or level to achieve instead of living out the actions of what those words call me to. You see, I can try to level up. I can try to be better. I can try to do my best version of faith. I can do all those things instead of actually following God's word, which calls me to obedience. It calls me to bend my knee. It calls me to worship him as king. And so we're going to finish today. And we always have a couple questions that we just give space for and say, just take a second for some time to process, okay? And so if you want, uh, these are the questions, and I'll explain them in just a second. And you can take a picture for this week. You can take a picture for, hey, as I'm reading this section of Scripture over and over again, what these simply are are just my thoughts that hopefully, and I'll explain them, okay? What they are is this us processing. So I gave you four questions, and you can make up your own and go from there. But let me give them to you, okay? So number one, out of verse one, instead of being checklists, and scale people, what do you need to put away? Okay, in Scripture, it talks away, put away all mouths, put away all, right? What do we need to put away? What action, what do you think you say, you know what, Jesus, I need to confess to this. Jesus, I need to seek a forgiveness for this. Jesus, I need, like, this is me coming to you. What do I need to put away? And if you're not sure, and that we can go to the last part as always, I dare you, encourage you, is to ask someone. 
And then you go, you know what, I really think I give too much. That's the problem. And then you ask someone you're close to, and they're like, ha not even close. All right? But what do you need to put away? Number two, where are you at with the church? Okay? Not organizational church. Let me be clear with that. It gets weird sometimes because we take organizational church and the body of Christ which should be the same, but sometimes there's brokenness in between and we take the brokenness and then we live in that. And so my question to you is, where are you at with the church? Not 717. You can be frustrated with that. Let's talk about it. Happy to do that. But where are you at? Is there healing that needs to happen? Is there grace that needs to be shown? Is there forgiveness that needs to be sought? What is it and where are you at with the church? Okay. Number three. What do your actions say? I did a lot of times, maybe you don't do this, but maybe this is just me. A lot of times I'll be grumpy and stomping around the house and all the, everybody's trying to avoid me and all this kind of stuff. And then one of the kids will be like, dad, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm good. Good. What's wrong? It's your problem. That never happens to you. It's me. But what do your actions actually say? What in life is something that's going, man, this speaks to hurt. This speaks to something that needs to be changed. This speaks to something that I need God to work in. And then last that you could probably ask for all of this is, have you asked anyone to confirm that? Okay. This is where vulnerability starts to build the church. Because what happens a lot is we feel isolated because we do isolate ourselves. And we don't ever actually ask anybody, hey, this is true. This is what God's laying on my heart. This is something. Can, what do you see? Where, how do you feel about this? Right? And so I'm going to pray. We're going to close this time. The elders are going to come up and we're going to be up here for prayer, uh, for the opportunity to spend some time together. One of the things I always want to tell you, we are so blessed to be at Lambs. Uh, we have to be out by 11. Uh, so if you can always help us in a little bit, but like, this is an opportunity after church to just spend some time together. It's going, you want to get crazy and just ask a question. Maybe it's somebody you know. Maybe you're just getting to know someone, whatever it might be. But most importantly, take some time to process this. Maybe it's now. Maybe it's later. But then it's also the opportunity to go, hey, let's build the body here as we step into what God has for us. Okay? So let me pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for who you are. And so, Father, thank you that you're at work in us. And so, Father, we thank you for your word that constantly teaches us. And, Father, with the most gentle hand, you bring us back to you. Father, your words speak of a God that is true and holy and real and active. May we explore that this week. May we see where we're at with it. And so, Father, we love you. We need you. We're at work uh, trying to be obedient to you. But Father, thank you for loving us. Thanks for being a part of us. And Father, we're going to trust you this week. In your precious name, amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what his word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. 
If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church. 